Amen. Thank you very much. Um, before we crack right on with the preach, uh, I just want to introduce myself properly. I'm Sam. Um, I've been coming to this church three years now. I used to go to uni here, and I avoided the church apart from one Sunday for all my four years of uni, and then it came to about my last term, and I decided to give KCC a try, thanks to that man over there, Gary Yee, who spoke to me at a CU meeting. And um, I've kind of been stuck since, really. I can't, can't get away. It's really hard. No, I'm joking. It's a brilliant place to be. Um, God it moves in this place, as we've already seen this morning. His spirit dwells here like it dwells all over the world. But actually, in this place, there's something special. In this place, we hear from God. And the movement of this church, as we've seen today, is incredible. The openness to God and the openness to the spirit is amazing. Um, a little bit more about me. I am... A primary school teacher, I teach special needs, which is fun at times, like this week I got bitten a bit, which is always joyful, but actually there is joy in that because you get to see change, which, which is amazing, and work like that for me demonstrates God's amazing grace and God's amazing like, spirit for all people, and that's what we're going to learn about today, is how to be courageous um, to all people, not just the people we know, but to, to everyone that's in this world. Um, before we start... Gary, can I borrow you for a second? Would you just be able to um, just play just some music on your guitar for me? Is that all right? Um, during the worship time, I had a bit of a moment with God, and I thought, him say, thought I felt him say something to you. So if you're able to stand, would you be able to? Don't worry if you can't. It's not like a, God doesn't work if you can sit. It does, doesn't work and you feel only sit down. Actually, God works in all people, and he speaks to all people, I believe. Um, but I really felt God saying that, Today, before you learn about courage, I want you to experience my love. Before you learn about how to be courageous, you need to have an understanding of my love. Um, so we're just, Gary's just going to play for a bit. And I honestly believe that the Spirit will just move around this place. And, yeah, just be open to him. Because I think he's just going to show you, this is my love for you. This is my love for you. This is my love for you. If you've never had this before, literally just stand there. And the way I do it, I go, God, speak. And I will listen. So I encourage you to do the same. And if you get any, any words of just how much God loves you, just feel free to call him out. I hope. He's a great God and I know he speaks and I know he'll be speaking to you individually. And if you think he's giving you a word of love that encourages everyone, don't be scared to shout him out. This is a great encouragement. We're called to encourage each other, called to encourage the people of God. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for your words. We thank you for the fact that you speak to us. We thank you that your love never ends. Your love goes on and on and on and on. It doesn't stop. Lord, we thank you for the fact that today we, we have heard from you. We thank you that today we will hear from you. We thank you for the week to come that we will hear from you and we'll hear from you and we hear from you and we know that you love us and you love us and you love us and you love us. And Lord, I thank you for the words you just said now. I thank you for the warmth of your embrace. I thank you for the fact you love every single one of us. The fact that we are not broken people in your eyes because you have made us whole. And Lord, I just pray right now that as we come to learn about, we come to learn about your, how we can have courage because of you. I pray that you continue to open our hearts and our minds to hear your word. May you empower us today to step out in your name. May, may us be a changed people today. Ones without fear. Knowing that you have had the victory. And we pray this all in your name. Amen. Yeah, please be seated. Okay. Right. Um, yeah, so today we are moving on with our next... Is this on? It is on, isn't it? Is it not on? Oh, it's on down here. Uh, okay, today we are learning about our next um, culture that we're trying to get, and it's um, the culture of courage. Last week we learned about generosity and praise God the way we responded in that, but also let's be reminded of what Matt said, that it isn't just money, it's our time and our talents as well that we're, we're gonna, we want to give to the Lord joyfully. And today we might touch on that a little bit, but we're moving on from that and we're looking at how as a people and individually we can have courage because of what Christ has done. We can have courage because of his victory on the cross. But strangely enough today, when I came to, 
get, get to do the preach, I was like, what exactly is courage? Uh, what does it really mean? I know what the world maybe says about courage. I know what films say about courage. But what does the Bible say about courage? Now, um, so I started off by thinking, what is courage? And the first thing that came to mind was the film 300. And um, where he's standing there, right? And they've all disappeared. And the armies are coming towards him. And he gets attacked with arrow upon arrow and upon arrow. And he doesn't move. He just stands there. And I was like, God, is that really what your Bible says about courage? Or is this just what the world says about courage? Make it clear to me. Now, I think partially it's what the Bible says. Because it tells us to stand firm in his name. But actually, I think what the 300 is saying there is that it's a little bit wrong. He's just standing there and he's just taking it. He's just taking it. But we're going to learn later on today how that's not exactly what the Bible says about us when we come to be courageous. So I thought, what else might it be? So I went to the dictionary. And um, it says this in the dictionary. It's the quality of mind or spirit that enables a person to face difficulty, danger, pain, etc. without fear. And I was like... Uh, well, the dictionary's pretty cool. It's, well, it's not that cool. But the dictionary's all right. It kind of tells you things. And um, I was like, but they must have it right, surely. It's the dictionary. They must know what courage is. And I looked at it and I was like, well, I'm not too sure about whether it's the quality of mind or spirit. I'm not too, not too okay with the way they phrase that. But actually, the last bit where it says about fear, I think they pretty got an aspect of courage there. The fact that we, in Jesus' name, as we come to find that wrong, we can stand without fear. But it's not because of the quality of our mind or spirit in one sense. It's because of Christ's victory. So that's when we're going to come to later on. So I thought, right, let's go straight to the Bible. The Bible must know. The Bible has to know it's God's word. Now, uh, fortunately, it's not like a direct definition of courage in the Bible, which is a little bit annoying for me. But when you go through it, I was thinking, courage really, biblically, is the ability to rely on God and follow his commands like to the extent that he calls you to. Courage is the ability to rely on God and follow his commands to whatever he calls you to do. And that's pretty scary stuff, if I'm honest. Like when, I, when I got to that point, I was like, what? You want me to stand firm in you? You want me to follow everything you say and you want me to do it to the extent that you're going to call me to? Now, I'm not, I'm not sure about you and how you think that we'll look in our lives, or why we might even want it. But actually, it's an amazing, amazing calling we're given there. That actually we are called to stand firm and follow his commands to the extent of, of what he calls us to do. Now we're going to move quickly on, because I think we're going to look, the last point we come to is how it looks in our lives. So we just cover what it, what it is, and then why do we want it, and then we'll move on. So why do we even want this courage? Why do we want it as a person, or why, and why do we want it as a church? If we're saying and preaching from the front that you should be courageous, surely we should tell you why you need to be courageous, or why it's even beneficial at all. Because at the moment, it just sounds like you're going to be tested, you're going to have arrows shot at you, and then God's going to call you to do all these things, but it doesn't sound that great, because we haven't heard any of the great promises that are behind it. I know I'll be, courage is a word that kind of scares me a bit at times. So... First of all, why we need to be courageous as a church is that we want to see the kingdom come. We pray in the Lord's Prayer, like, your kingdom come, your will be done. We pray it all the time. Well, we kind of taught how to pray it in the Bible. And actually, a step of that is being courageous and stepping out in faith. We're commanded to see the kingdom come, but how is it going to come if we're not going to play our part? God can do all things, but yet he chooses to use us. And for him to use us, I honestly believe that we need to be courageous. Are you going to be the person who stands there, hears God's voice, and doesn't do anything? Or are you going to be the person who's courageous enough to see the kingdom come, to move in that? Secondly, I think if we're courageous, the gospel will move. Our greatest calling, I believe, as a Christian is to spread God's, God's amazing gospel. So tell everyone, let everyone know how great he is and how he saved us. And yet again, I think courage is the thing that can drive us to, to spread his word. Yes, it's the cross as the message itself, but without courage, you're going to stand there and you're going to be like, I don't really know if I'm going to do this because it's a bit scary. But actually, courage in Christ it propels you forward. 
It doesn't, it doesn't stop you there. It goes, actually, I have done this for you. Now take my courage and go. Spread my word. Tell people the gospel. And that's the people we are going to long to be like, surely. We're given the great commission. It says, go out, tell, make disciples. And I honestly believe it again, that courage is something we need to achieve that. And how great would it be as a church if we start to spread the gospel and people come to the church? People will come in off the streets, the broken, the lost. John O spoke today in his word from God. He said, I do not view you as broken. Sadly, we are all broken people before we have Christ. We are all broken people. And it's only Christ that makes us complete. And if you're not a Christian here today, we'll come on to the gospel a little bit later on and, and praise God for the fact of what he can do for you. But actually out there in the community today, there is broken and lost people everywhere. And it'd be great if our, if our church could grow and people would come in because of our courage to spread God's word. Nate was praying with me before I came up here and he mentioned a verse about the, the word doesn't go out without doing its purpose. And that, these are the sort of things we need to hold on to when we're trying to be courageous. We need to hold on to that, knowing that when we speak and we speak the gospel, it has impact. It has impact. Because Christ does it, his spirit goes through you. But we will come on to that a little bit later on. So, why do we want it? One last point is that, um, and this is, this is hard for, for me, it's, a, it's an increased closeness to God. And um, yeah, it's, it's quite a tricky one because actually courage, courage basically means that when things are pretty much rubbish, you have to say, God, I love you still. God, I love you still and I will push into you. And when... Like today has been such a blessing because there's been word upon word upon word about how all these hard situations, but God still reigns through them all. Even though when everything seems lost, God still reigns. And that's the, we need to be a people of faith like that. When everything has gone and everything is lost and everything has disappeared, and it seems like the worst situation you could ever face. Every plan that you had in your, in your mind has just disappeared. That is when courage shines through and says, actually, God... You are good, you are great, and you have a great plan for me. That's what courage will do. Courage, linked with the Spirit of God, brings you into an increased closeness with God. Surely we want that. Surely, even though we never promised in the Bible we won't face hard times. In fact, we promised persecution. So surely in this time of persecution, you want the courage to say, God, I love you. God, I will cling to you. God, give me the courage to carry on powering through for this. That's what we need. And courage is what it does. The courage of Christ, the courage in God, is what drives you forward to say, always lost apart from you. And you are greater. You are better than all things. So that's what courage is and why you might want it. There's loads more reasons why you might want it. But they're the ones kind of God is kind of speaking to me about. And um, today, I think what we're going to crack onto is why, what does it look like in our lives? And um, I was praying about it, and I, God kept on talking to me about this story. And I was like, oh, God, come on, you do this in Sunday school, if you went to Sunday school. It's all you ever do in Sunday school. And, um, well, not all you ever do, sorry if you're, if you're early. I remember it loads in Sunday school. And the story is David and Goliath. And I was like, what courage did David have in that? It's, like, it's one chapter, really, well, it goes on a bit more, but the key story is one chapter, and it's in Samuel, um, 1 Samuel 17. And um, I was like... David is a courageous man. Just in this one story, you see so much. I don't know if you know the background of the story. Um, I said if you went to Sunday school, you probably do, but you might have forgotten it. And um, so David is this little shepherd boy, and he's um, like, well, by this point, he's already a lot of stuff happened to him, but we don't need to go into that today. And um, he has brothers who are fighting on the front line, and they are, they are Israelites. They are the people of God. And they're fighting against the Philistines, who are these massive people. And they have one particular massive guy that we're going to come on to later on. And they, they appear stronger than the Israelites. But yet, Jesse, who's um, David's dad, says, David, go. Take your brother some food. And uh, so he off he goes. He leaves his sheep behind, because um, I said he's a shepherd. He gets there. And um, he walks up, and he, he sees him on the front line. And he, and he drops the food with the, um, the guy who looked after all the food in the story. He says, he puts him there. And then uh, he gets there and he, he's like, right, what's, what's going on? Like, uh, I don't really know. Like, there's Philistines over there and there's Israelites over there, but we're just we're standing here. And he's like, what is this? 
what is this? I'm, he gets a little bit confused, and it's an amazing story. Because he, he just says this, it just goes um, in verse 8, it says, um, Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? I, I am not a Philistine, he says, and, um, and are, you, are you not a servant of Saul? Choose a man and, ha- and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight me and kill me, he will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become my subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This is the day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed, dismayed and terrified. So this is where we're going to join the story. Okay, Goliath has just said, Give me one man. Let's have a one-on-one battle just to us. If I kill him, you're mine. If he kills me, we're yours. That's basically what he's come to. Now, as I said, David's just rocked up and he's, he's brought his food. And he hears this. Um, but he, as I said, he gets a little bit confused. And this is where the first point we see David's courageous nature. He is courageous in speech, which is amazing. In verse 25, it says, Now the Israelites had been, had been saying... Do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king who will give great wealth to the man who the king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from the taxes of Israel. I'm sure we all want to exempt taxes at times, but um, not sure fighting Goliath would be the best thing. And it says David asked the men standing near him, "What will be done for this man who kills this Philistine and removes the disgrace from Israel?" Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? How courageous is that in speech? He has seen Goliath. And we're like, he, Goliath, in case you don't know, they reckon he's nine foot nine. That is a giant. He is massive and he's full of armour and he's standing there and David has seen him. And he does two things in his speech. He goes, he listens to the problem. He listens to the problem of the people, of the Israelites. And then he defends the honour of God. Now that is courage. That is courage. When he, he actively goes out and speaks to the Israelites. And he goes, Ooh, what's going on? What happens to this man? Like, tell me what rewards you get. He goes into so much. He has, he has the conversations. Now that is courageous in speech. I don't know about you, but when I go to Asda, we went to Asda last night. We had a, a nice curry. And um, we went there, and we spoke to this lady, and uh, it was really funny, because we couldn't decide whether to have Tango or Pepsi, so we went and spoke to this random woman, and was like, what would you buy, Tango or Pepsi? She went for Pepsi, which I wasn't too much fan, because I think I wanted Tango. But um, I was actually, just that little bit there, there was fear of saying, do you want Tango, or do you want Pepsi? But actually, David, he goes to these Israelites, uh, they're all in the army, they're already terrified, he goes, what's wrong? Tell me, tell me what's going on, what, what will I receive? How much courage is in that? How much courage is there just to enter the conversation? Do you do that? Do you enter the conversations and find out and seek out people's needs? This was the worry and the need of the Israelite army at this point. And he went there and he seeked it out. He's like, what is wrong? Tell me more. And then... Um, the great thing is with that is that he doesn't stop there. He moves on and he, and he says this line here, he says, which is amazing. He goes, who is this Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? His speech doesn't just stop at seeking out the problem. His speech goes on and he speaks God's word. He speaks truth about the living God. He knows that He's, he's in the army of the living God. And he won't let a Philistine who do, who's uncircumcised, if you don't know what that word means, it's just, well, we won't go into exact things, but it was, um, <laughs> it was like the, uh, the Israelites and the uncircumcised. Like, we could use Gentiles, let's go with that, Gentiles. And um, he knows that they're not in the army of the living God. They don't follow the, live, the army of, they're not in the army of the living God, but he knows he is in the army of the living God. He knows that, and he says, I will not have... Someone defy the name of the Lord. I will not have that. Now, I'm not saying that when you do enter these conversations with people, as they, they say something, you're like, you are defying the name of the Lord. Do not do that. I do not think that is the right way to go about evangelism, personally. But if God calls you to, maybe. Who knows? But um, actually, what he does here, he just speaks truth. He's courageous in speech because he seeks out the problem. And then he defends 
the honour of God. Now, that might not be easy in our lives, because um, we might face all the jokes. I'm sure you've had it. Uh, you're one of those happy, clappy, weird Christians. Um, I was in work during the week, and they're like, you're one of these amen Christians. And I was like, well, I do say amen. Like, but, um, and, it's like, and then there's all these like, banterous jokes, supposedly a banter, but actually it's a little dig at your faith. Now, I do, I do enjoy comedy, obviously, but actually sometimes you need to stand there and say, actually, I'm not going to let you speak ill of the name of the Lord because he is great and he is above all things. And as I said, you don't need to do that necessarily with aggression. I think that's probably wrong. We're told to do it with a gentle heart. But let's make sure that we, when we do face these things, we are defending the name of the Lord. And that will take courage. Okay, if we move quickly on, because we have got a fair bit. And, um, secondly, the thing that David knows is that he is not alone. He knows that he's not alone. So this bit is great. It's, we, hit, um, so, uh, we hit verse 33. Um, it says this, verse 32. Saul is told the message, and they meet David. Um, so, and they meet David. Um, and then he said, Let no one lose heart on account of the Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, You are not able to go out against this, this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and, has, and he has been a warrior from his youth. And then Saul says to David, Go, and the Lord will be with you. Should I get a little bit confused about it? Because he's like, you're not going. And he's like, go and let the Lord be with you. But actually, I think in that point, David realises yet again that he is not alone. He realises that even through Saul saying, no, you cannot go. Then he says, go and let the Lord be with you. David knows, actually, I am not alone in these battles. My courage doesn't come from me standing there by myself and going, right, I will face you. I will have these conversations. I will pray for healings. I will pray this. I will do that all by myself. That is wrong. David is shown at this point where he goes, go and let the Lord be with you. And David obviously was in the Old Testament. And um, let's be honest, sometimes we think all the Old Testament is a bit bit weird. But it's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And um, actually, we're told, even in the New Testament, we have the same promise. And it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Yet again, in the Great Commission, it says, um, I'll be with you to the end of the age. Now, that is a beautiful promise to have. So David is just told here, go and the Lord be with you. We have in Matthew, I'll be with you to the end of the age. It's the same promise. And yet we're going to find out in a minute how David does step out and he does go into battle against Philistine. And this is one of the reasons why, I believe, because he knows the Lord is with him. And when it comes to our own faith and our own courage to step forward, we need to be clear of the fact that we are not alone when we do this. We are not alone. His spirit dwells in us and we step out knowing that he is with us. That is incredible. And when we look back to the 300 story at the beginning where he stood there by himself taking the arrows, this is where it is wrong. Yes, there are weapons that formed against us, but we are promised they will not take effect. But we do not stand there by ourselves. The spirit of God is in us and clothes us. So when the things that come, as we say, we persecute, when they come... We can be certain that God is there, God is with us, and God is fighting for us, which is amazing. Now that should be something that drives us. That should be something that says, yes, I can step out in faith. Yes, I can have the courage to go forward and do things, because I am not alone. Now, thankfully, um, as I said, we have the same promise, but... The key thing is, do you let that promise reign true in your life? Is it something that's like head knowledge, but not heart knowledge? Is it, I know the Bible says this, but when it comes to that situation, I will not believe and step forward. That's something God really challenged me on, because it's, it's one of my favourite verses, but then he's like, then God was like, actually, you, you, it's one of your favourite verses, but do you live in that? Do you just say, I am with you to the end of the age, and you go, actually, yes. oh, there's a situation, there's a conversation which is crying out, for you to speak the word of the Lord. And again, no, nah, I'm not doing that. That's stupid. Or are you one of those people that goes, I know the Lord is with me, and I know he will protect me, and I will step out in faith, because he is by my side and he is in me. As we heard it today um, in one of the songs, goodness and mercy follows you into these situations. Goodness and mercy follows you 
That's Christ. A spirit, the spirit of God is moving with that situation with you. That is amazing. That is amazing. And I think when we have the realisation that God is with us, I think that's one of the first points of being able to say, right, I have courage. Because I am not alone. And when God was talking about this point, he wouldn't stop getting out of my head. He was like, Sam, you are not alone. Sam, you are not alone. Tell them they are not alone. Tell them they are not alone. I will never leave them nor forsake them. And I was like, God, I get it. I get it right. And then I go to get the next point. And he'd be like, no, you are not alone. They are not alone. Make them realize that they are not alone. I will never, ever leave or forsake them. In every situation I am there. In every situation. When it seems bleak and there's nothing around my spirit is still there, and my plan is good for you. And that is courage, knowing that and being like, I will step out. I will step out, Lord. Okay, quickly moving on. And this is another point God wouldn't stop talking to me about, so we have to rush through a little bit. It's, um, David has the courage to be the creation that he was made to be. That is incredible. David has the courage to be the creation he was made to be. When we look in verse 38, it says this. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armour on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on the sword um, over the tunic and tried to walk around because he, because he, was, not show, he was not used to them. we just stop there for a second. To me, that sounds pretty great. You're about to go and face this nine foot nine giant. I'm going to want as much armour as I can possibly have. I'm going to want... He's got a helmet here. He's got a tunic. I was thinking a bit more of armour would be great, not just a bit of cloth. But actually, you, if I'm stepping in a situation, in my head, what Saul is offering here is amazing. It's amazing. But then no. Could you imagine? He's just put on this tunic and this sword, and he's like trying to walk around like this. I've got this I was pre- writing the preach, and I had this vision of David like, trying to move around in this like, massive sword, because he's, really, he's not that big, as, David, as Goliath told us. He's trying to move around his sword, and he's got this helmet on. And he's like, I cannot walk. I cannot do anything in this. I cannot, this is not me, he's saying. And then it says this, I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in his pouch of his shepherd's bag with his sling in his hand and approached the Philistine. David knew the creation he was supposed to be. He knew that God had placed him and God had made him a shepherd in his youth. God does the same for you. He knows you. He created you. He knitted you together in your mother's womb. Okay, with all these promises, I was looking up, there's tons of them. Absolutely tons of them. Jeremiah 5, verse 1, before, before I knew you, uh, before, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And okay, this one is talking to Jeremiah, because the last point is about Jeremiah. But the first two points is so for us as well. It says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. That's what he speaks over your life. And then um, Ephesians 2 verse 10. For we are the workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that, she, that we shall, should walk in them. These are all promises. These are all promises of that we were created for a purpose. There's so many more. The Bible is just full of our, our purpose, for why God created us. How amazing are they? How amazing are they? I, it literally blows my mind. Absolutely blows my mind that we were created like that. He made us the way that we were for a reason, the way that we are. For, yes, when we accept God, there's this process of, like, um, of becoming more Christ-like. But actually, for the root of it all, it said he knitted us together in the womb. This is how he made us. He loves us. Now, I think the biggest problem we have today, one of the biggest problems we have in the church today is that we don't really know our own identity. I think if we're to have courage in Christ, we need to know who Christ made us to be. We need to know the promises of God that he speaks over us. We need to know them until, until we're going to step out in faith. I said, I said we need to know we're not alone. That's a promise. But actually, it goes far more than that. It goes far more than that. We need to know that we are made for a purpose, that he loves us individually. And I think actually in the church today, we often this topic of identity is spoke to women 
spoken to women especially, but actually when I was, when I was preparing this, I felt God say that actually, men, we have just the same problem. We don't know our identity in Christ. We don't know who we are made to be. And, it, and women the same, if you're feeling that you're not sure of your identity, we need to fix this as a, as a church. It's a, it's a lie the enemy holds over our lives, is that we're not loved, we're not worthy enough. We're not, we're not, that, we're not perfect. But God came to us when we were in our state of sin, which is amazing. And then he chose us, then he grabbed, what, then he grabbed us and says, I love you and I have always loved you. I set you apart. Now, as a church, I think it's an issue that yeah, we need to deal with. And um, I don't know whether, um, whether I've already spoken about it very briefly, but I don't know whether you, this is already something that started to resonate with you, that actually you're not sure of your identity in Christ. You're not sure about it. You think God said a few things to you, but actually the enemy comes in with a lie. And he's, he's like, I'm going to lie to you. I'm going to hold this lie over you. And the enemy's held a lie over me recently. And um, it hurts because God's truth is there and you know it. But this lie seems so powerful. This lie seems so powerful. And yet even in my head, I knew it was a lie. And I'm sure you might know it's a lie. But actually, it takes God to break it. I was in this place of, go away, you stupid lie. But I was doing this by myself. And as we heard earlier on, we are not alone. I think today we need to break some lies. Today we need to, God is saying, I'm going to break some lies over identity. He wants you to know that you are loved and you are his. You cannot be plucked from his hand. He created you beautifully. And men, that is for you as well. He created you beautifully. That isn't just a word that's summed up for women. I hate that. It's a word that is for everyone. He chose us and he gave us an identity, which is Christ. And so now I think, um, just going to stop for a second. And we're going to do something brave. It's up to you, whether you respond. But if you're at all uncertain about your identity in Christ, if you're at all uncertain about your identity, or you think there might be a lie over your life, I would like you to stand. And that if no one stands... Okay, someone's already stand. So if, but if, you're, if there is a lie that is being spoken over your life, I believe God wants to break that today and he wants to tell you what your identity is in him. So if there's anyone else, please feel free to stand. Men, women, anyone. Just going to wait a few minutes. And um, whoever's on ministry team um, afterwards, maybe just pray for them, but we're just going to pray together. Now, if you're near someone... Um, I believe that the Bible tells us to lay on hands and if, ask the person if you're comfortable with it first. But um, I, believe it's, I believe it's something that we're asked to do in the Bible. And we're just going to pray that lives are broken today and identity in Christ is reclaimed today. Yeah, Lord, we just thank you that... Um, thank you that you're an amazing God. We thank you that you knitted us together in the womb. We thank you that you're a God who, who just set us aside before, before even like created. You knew us. You knew us. You loved us. And you still love us. And I pray today that any lie that is being spoken, that is being spoken over these people's lives, I pray in your name it will be broken. In no other name can it be broken, but it can be broken in your name. I pray at this minute your spirit will come and it will snap lies. It will snap. Those lies will take no hold anymore. Every chain will be snapped and there'll be no bondage. There'll be nothing because of how great you are and how great your spirit is. And Lord, we pray in your name that if these thoughts ever come back, may it be your strong words and your promises that reign over these people's lives. Lord, I pray that you'll bring verses to these people's heads saying, you are my loved one. Lord, bring verses. Bring your word. Let lives be snapped in this very place today. Let people know that their identity is in Christ. Their identity is in Christ. And you love them. And they cannot be plucked from your hand. They cannot be plucked from their hand. When they gave their life to you, you said, you are mine. And I will love you for eternity. And we pray this all in your name. Amen. Um, thank you for being brave for those people who stood up it's a bit scary halfway through a service response is always at the end and, um, but it's really brave like, to stand up in, in a service and um, thank you for that and if, 
feel free to talk to me after as well. Feel free to grab, the ministry team will be out here at the end if you want more prayer on this kind of area. Feel free to do that. And I believe God really wants to speak into your lives today. And um, so we're going to move on. And uh, I think the next point we come to is David has courageous faith. This is beautiful as well. How can all this come from one story about a man going to meet a giant? Uh, it's incredible, absolutely incredible. David has courageous faith. Verse 45. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the, the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. The day of the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day... Um, I will give your carcasses to the, the Philistine army, to the, uh, or the Philistine army, to the birds and to the wild animals, and the whole of the world will know that that there is a God in Israel. Uh, all those gathered here will know that it is, by, it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves you, for the battle is the Lord's, and He will give you, give, give all of you into our hands. Okay, let's just read that last verse again. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give, you, give, give all of you into our hands. Okay, so what we get here is a, a representation of David's courageous faith. As I said before, there is this nine foot nine giant standing there, and he's got a sword, and he, he says, you come against me with sword, is it sword, spear, and javelin. I don't know how you hold all three, but he's come against him with sword, spear, and javelin. And David's standing, he's got his little sling, like this is what I imagine, he's got his sling, and he's got his stones in his pouch, and it's this massive giant. Like, I know if, I'm not a better man, obviously, where we going, like, but actually, if you had to choose one to win... You're standing there thinking, if you don't know any of the backstory, you're thinking, there's this massive giant, he's got a sword spear, a javelin, there's this little shepherd boy, he's got a few stones and a sling, there's only one winner. But actually, we're gonna, we, if you know the story, you already know who wins, and it's quite clear who's going to win anyway. But, um, but this is where we see David's courageous faith. How can he have, have such courage to step out in this situation? How can he have that courage? But thankfully, he does tell us himself, he says he has faith in the living God. He has faith in the living God. As we, we heard him describe um, God as living earlier on, which is amazing because that living God has not died for us. That living God wasn't just living then. He's living now. And he, he walks with us. He speaks to us. He protects us. He defends us. He's powerful in his nature. No power or authority is above him. He is living and he is with you. That's why David steps forward, because of his strength of faith. He knows that God will deliver. He knows, it says here, for the battle is the Lord's. For the battle is the Lord's. Now, when you read that verse, the alarm bell should be ringing in your head of like, oh, hold up, this sounds very similar to another battle that took place on a cross. Like, this should be screaming out to you. It's saying, actually, here... Here in this story, the Philistines are delivered into the hands of the Israelites because the battle is the Lord's. And on the cross, if you don't know about the cross, it's amazing. On the cross, Christ stretched out his arms and he declares it is finished. He declares it is done. The battle is the Lord's and he has victory. In this he has victory. On the cross he has victory forever. There is nothing that can hold him. There is nothing, not even death can hold Jesus. He dies and he rises again from the dead. Not even death can hold him. The battle is the Lord's. And that's where our courage comes from. The battle is the Lord's and he has victory. When we think about the cross, it is beautiful. It is amazing. There can be no greater moment in history. He's on that cross and he he knows he's done nothing wrong. He knows that he has to go to the cross. He has to go there for the great joy set before him, it says. That's why he goes to the cross. And as I said, he stretches out his arms, declares it is finished, and it's done. He is done. Then he rises again, and the victory 
is the Lord's. He takes all your sin on that cross. And if you're not a Christian here today, sin is just a word that we don't really use today at all. It's only used in like a biblical sense. Anything that is against God, anything that is against God, on that cross and in that moment when Jesus declares it is finished, he has taken it all. And that's a great message for even if you're a Christian here today. Remind yourself that on that cross, he took everything. And then when he rises again, it is so clear that he has victory over all things. The tomb was empty. The tomb was empty. Now, I think courage, courage should be a natural reaction to this. Like I was, pray, I was like praying, this kind of line came to me, and it says, courage should be a natural reaction to the realisation of what Christ has done on the cross. I'll just read that again. Courage should be a natural reaction to the realisation of what Christ has done on the cross. Our natural response to Christ dying, yes, is praise. Yes, is giving our life to Christ. We're going, Lord, you did all this for me. What can I do for you? What can I do for you? Give me the courage to step forward in this. Give me the faith to know that what happened on the cross is real and that it's done and it is finished. I believe just like David, we need to stand firm on the promises of God. Courage comes from standing firm on the promises of God. Knowing that it's done. Knowing that you're secure. Knowing that no weapon formed against you can take effect. David had courageous faith. He stepped out and declared the name of the Lord. He didn't just stand there. He stepped out because of his faith in God. Just like we can step out because of our faith in God. So we come on to our final point because we are rapidly running out of time. And um, the last one is amazing, which is more of a, a call for us again, is David is courageous in action. So we've had he's courageous in speech, He's courageous in faith, and now he's courageous in action. It says this in verse 48, and we're coming quite near to the end of the chapter, actually. As the Philistine moved, moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone, the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down to, onto the ground. Now what... What amazed me is, at this moment, faith is put into action. He has faith in God, because we've seen it before. It's courageous faith. Then he runs. You know, walk. He runs to the battle line to meet Goliath. He gets there, and he gets his stone from his bag, and he goes round his head, and he goes straight into, the, into Goliath's head. He smacks him in the forehead. He says he, it sinks into his forehead. He's got a pretty big, pretty intense stone. And then... Um, he falls straight to the ground. But what is amazing for me, the first point is that he runs. He doesn't go, oh, I've heard God, I have faith in God, I've spoken about God, and I walk really slowly. He demonstrates his faith, his courageous faith, by being courageous in action. He runs to that front line. Now I think actually today, within the people, people of the world today, there can be an attitude of laziness. It seems to be more accepted at times to be a little bit lazy. No, I'm not saying I'm not lazy. Because like, sometimes I get pulled up from being a bit lazy. And so I'm not currently just high and mighty place of, oh, yeah, I'm not lazy, I do loads of stuff. No, actually, I think for myself, at times I can have an attitude of laziness. And I believe the Bible says that's wrong. I believe we need to use every moment for the kingdom. Every moment. That doesn't mean you don't have rest periods. Because the, the Bible talks about having rest. But actually it means... Some of those days you spend, like uh, Matt, I think it was Matt really challenged me the other day. He didn't even mean to. He, um, he spoke about spending, spending days where you just watch a program, like a whole series in a day of something. And I, I thought, he, he said it to me, and I was like, oh no, that's what I do. Like, <laughs> it's really bad. And actually, I think sometimes rest can come in that way. Sometimes. But actually, when it becomes a habit to spend all your spare time maybe watching, I don't know, like, what do people watch these days? It's found a good one. 24, that'll do. And um, the new series of 24. Like, when you spend every day watching the series of 24, then where's your time for God? Does your attitude become one that praises the time where you can spend, worship, like, 
effectively worshipping 24? Or is it a, a, an attitude of saying, yeah, I'll give my time, I will watch a couple of episodes of 24, but also I will have time to praise God in a different way. And I'm not saying 24 can be used for the kingdom. Uh, I know it can. And, um, so don't, I'm not saying don't watch this stuff, but I can't watch it. And, uh, well, don't watch 24, but I watch other stuff. And um, I'm just saying, just don't waste, it, waste time away. Don't waste your time away. Matt spoke last week about giving your time generously. Don't waste your time away. Use it for the kingdom. Um, yeah, and sometimes I think we can have an attitude as well of saying, all we need to do is pray. Sometimes we think, all we need to do is pray. Now, I'm not saying prayer is wrong. Prayer is amazing, and it's something I believe, and I think the church believes we need to move forward in as a, as a church, is, is prayer, our prayer life. But actually, it's not all you need to do. I think, I honestly believe that in the Bible, it tells us, not that our faith depends on it, but it tells us to step forth and just move in to the, the places God calls you to. Yes, pray, but put that prayer into action. I think um, sometimes when we pray, we, uh, we have a tendency just, just to just go, right, prayed about it, job done. Job done. I don't have to worry about it. And yet, how many times have you prayed for opportunities? And then you're like, God, you're having one of those moments, God, God, give me the opportunity in work to just tell someone about how great you are. And then that opportunity comes and you, you pray for this. In your heart, you're thinking, oh, this is pretty cool. I'll pray for this. And then you're like, thanks, God, for giving the opportunity, but I'm not going to take it. Like, that seems pretty weird in your head. You start asking for, um, for a gift and be like, oh, yeah, I really want, well, new Arsenal shirts come out. really want the new Arsenal shirt, okay? And then someone gives it to you, and they're, like, they're standing there with it, going, just, just take it. Going, it's, it's yours. Like, do you know this conversation where God is screaming at you? It's like, just say my name. And that's all he's saying. And then you're like, no. And it's like, they're, they're standing there going, here's your present. Here's your Arsenal shirt. Here's whatever you want. It's right here for you. And you're like, nah, I don't really want it. Even though I've asked for it again and again and again, I don't want it anymore. I'm too scared. What if it comes with like, consequences? What if I take this present and it means, oh, I owe them something? Actually, we don't need to be fearful of that. When you look at David, there's like no fear in him. It's amazing. Perfect love drives out all fear, we're told. So we don't need to be fearful when that conversation comes and he's like, go on, go on, look. They even said my name a little bit. They almost said Jesus. Like, you can do it. You can say it. And then we say, no, no, I don't want that. We need to be a people like David who... Put faith into action. Now, when um, we quickly move on, virtually my last, yeah, the last point. And um, when I was praying about how to put faith into action, how to have courageous faith, God spoke two things to me. First was the importance of prayer. In that, I know I've just said, don't just stop at prayer, but God reminded me of the importance of prayer. And it, he, he said, to, he, when I was praying about, it, he said, why don't you ask for greater things? Why don't you ask for greater things? And I was like, well, I don't really know God. Perhaps I'm just happy where I am. And um, God was like, like, do you not know you're my word? Do you not know what I say to you? And um, it's this verse in in John 14, 14, 12. It says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. So we have the promise that we will do greater things. But we just don't ask. And then we don't have the courageous faith to move into that. We need to have that faith to put into action, yes. But then we need to have the, the courageous action to step forward in that. Being like, God, I've asked for these. Right, I'm going to do it. And second of all, as I said, we don't need to, we need, we need, we don't need to be afraid to ask for things. It says, um, I wish Nick Buttonshaw was here. This is one of his favourite stories about me. We used to be on CU committee together, and um, they got me to pray end of a meeting. I was like, yep. So I was like, dear Lord, let us have the faith to move a mustard seed. And everyone laughed, and I didn't really realise what I just said. Like, if you don't know the verse, it says, may I have faith to move mountains. And um, i just gone, let us have faith to move a mustard seed. And uh, Nick cracked up. 
and everyone else committee cracked up, and I was like, great, I've done it again, haven't I? Typical Sam. But actually, sometimes I wish I had the faith to move a mustard seed. Sometimes I do wish I had that faith to be like, God, you can move that mustard seed from there to there. You can move that. And I think that's what God is screaming at us today and saying to us today is that actually have the faith to believe that I can move mountains. Have the faith to believe that I can do it. Ask for such things and then move move into it. Have the courageous action to move forward. Don't be afraid to ask because nothing is impossible with me. Okay, we've quickly come to an end now. And um, I know there's been a lot of courageous stuff going on here in, the, in this talk because David screams, I'm a courageous man. Like, it's all of his actions and his words are just like, I'm, he's like, he's a courageous man. And we can be like that. As I said, we don't need to have fear. But I think the key challenge for us today is, um, I think what it was saying to me was, are we going to be a people, and I mean individually and as a church, are we going to be a people like David, who was courageous, who saw God's victory, or are we going to be a person who freezes and a church who freezes and is scared to ask, is scared to move, is scared to speak? What are we going to be as a church? What are you going to be as a person? Are you going to stand firm on the promises of God and move forward in that? Or are you going to be the person who freezes and just stands there and says, no, I can't do it? One last thing. If you do have a moment when you freeze, don't worry. We all do them. We all freeze at times when we say, I can't do it. Thankfully, God is a God of grace, a God of forgiveness. And he doesn't hold it against you. He gives you more opportunities. And then you build up your faith, realising these things are promises. Realising you are not alone. And I honestly believe as a church, we can adopt this culture of not freezing, of stepping out in faith, of speaking in faith. We just need to be prepared to do it. I'm just going to quickly pray to close. And um, if there is anything I've said, feel free to talk to me about it. Um, or one of the elders. Or... But yeah, I'm just going to pray to close. Yeah, Lord, I just pray that as a church, we will be a, uh, a people of faith, a people of courage, I pray that we will, we will look at situations and we'll step out and say, saying, Lord, you are good. Lord, you can do it. Lord, you do great things and you promise that we can do even greater things in your name. Lord, I pray that when that situation comes where we just have a conversation or wherever we are to demonstrate your, your faith, your love, Lord, I pray that we have the faith and the courage to step out in that. Lord, I pray that we see more things. Lord, I pray that we'll see healings. Lord, I pray that we have words of knowledge to give to people. I pray that the courage that we have because of you and in you is what drives us to ask for these things. And I pray that in that moment, then we'll step forward and say, I have this. Does it help you? I pray for your gospel to move in this town. I pray that people will come to know you, come to know your salvation and your love for us. Yeah, Lord, I pray today that we will not be a people that freeze. We are people who are certain of you. Yeah, Lord, just people who are certain of you and your faithfulness to us today. Let us be like David, who ran. He was so eager, he ran to the front line. Let us be like that. And we pray this all in your name. Amen.